0: Hey Ivania,
1: how you doing? Hi Cedric, how are you? I'm doing good. Awesome. We're gonna go ahead and get started. This is Ivania Easley with the Closet Chronicles, Stylus and. In- Founder and CEO of Styled by Love E and Love E Fashion. And today we have our special guest, Cedric Brown of Cedric Brown Collections. You know, this podcast is all about the grind behind the glam and digging a little deeper into the business behind fashion, retail, tech, and e-commerce. So welcome, Cedric. Thank you for coming and sharing your story and your journey. So I just love for you to start by... Um, reintroducing yourself and telling us how you got started with your line and, of course, what Cedric Brown Collections is all about.
0: Thank you so much for um, having me and featuring me today. Yeah, I'm, I'm Cedric Brown um, of Cedric Brown Collections. I specialize in men's and women's accessories. I make scars, kimonos, neckties, pocket squares, socks, button down shirts, slip dresses. And my slogan is, you can hang it on the wall, you can wear it to the mall. And what makes my product so unique is that um, I create all the artwork that's on the fabric. So that's why I have that slogan there. And I've been in business now for six years. I started off with making scarves and it has eventually expanded to other items.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And can you give them a little background about what you went to school for, where you went to school and how you started the collection?
0: Yeah, so um, I graduated from Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, I received a BFA in fashion design. Um, I did a few internships as well, working in New York with Lee Fong Limited, um, Sears and Kmart, and I also was an intern in Atlanta with Carter's Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. And um, it was somewhat it was difficult, like getting a full time the full time job, though, you know. Yeah definitely like five, six years ago. You, you see all the stuff going on in the media now about like support black designers yeah. and, you know, yeah. just the unfair treatment. But I can say I definitely felt the unfair treatment because it was difficult for me just to get a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: when you graduate. Yeah.
0: And um, with since for that reason, I decided to start my own business. I took some entrepreneurial courses and you know, starting a business can be a little scary, but I decided to start off with um, accessories
1: Mm -hmm. from there. Now, what made you decide to put your art on clothes? Because, like you said, that is one of the main um, differentiators between you and just other designers that are just making, you know, kimono, scarves, and making accessories, but yours is unique because you are putting your art on there.
0: Uh, Yes, so... Um, I've been an artist, I'm an artist as well, and like in high school, I won like several art competitions, mm-hmm. such as having my artwork on six billboards across Metro Atlanta, um, having a painting featured in Beijing, China for the Olympic Games, and also, wow. a, um, also a painting accepted to the National Russian Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia. And so those things kind of helped me get scholarships to pay for school. And once I got to school and some of my professors they knew that I had an artist background. Um, mm-hmm. they, like one in particular was like that's your meat and potatoes. That's what you should focus on, like you know, when developing my senior collection. Yeah. And I decided yeah. to go to move forward with it.
1: Awesome. Was there ever a thought to just be an artist and not necessarily put the art on clothing?
0: No, it was the thought of being both. And then I kind of used to have people, I remember artists discouraging me, and just other people like, you can't do both. You can only focus on one or the other. Like, it's impossible to be great at one of them. And, you know, and, but I always had in my mind that I wanted to be a fashion designer, though. I wanted to be a fashion designer more than I wanted to be an artist. You know, an artist, yeah. Like, since fifth grade, I was like, I looked up to like Sean John and, Mm -hmm. you know, Russell Simmons
1: and
0: Ralph Lauren. And I was like, I wanted a clothing line. So I always had that dream and desire.
1: Well, luckily you get to do both because your art now is on clothing and people um, are actually able to wear your art, not just hang it in their homes. So you ultimately did get to do both. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think now some of those fine artists... Are trying to dif- dif- differentiate their brands and they're more open minded to it too. Now they're trying to help close lines and stuff, <laughs> you know, because they see, I guess it's more of a trend for them, or they, you know, some of them necessarily have the knowledge of like how that works in fashion. You know, yeah. I studied it where I've seen fine artists collaborate with designers and stuff yeah. too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's been happening for a minute. I mean, remember that Louis Vuitton collection back in the day? I don't remember the artist, but it was when they made, he collab, they collaborated with the artists and it was like the white bags and it had the um, Louis Vuitton and the um, rainbow colors. And then they've done a few other things. So there's a lot of, at least I know on handbags, a lot of collaborations has been with artists and vice versa um, to put art on handbags or art on other pieces. So not only are you collecting um, an item or buying an item that you can use to wear in your life, whether it be on your body or to carry, you're also being able to collect that art, um, and make it, you know, to me, even better when I can wear the art versus just something I can hang in my home. I like both, but to be able to wear it is to me, even better, me personally, anyway.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: <laughs> awesome. Now, let's go a little bit into the business because I, I created this podcast to more be able to discuss, like, of course, on social media, we only see the highlights. We only see the fashion shows, the models, the photo shoots. We don't really see the grind behind the glam of what it takes to be an entrepreneur in this industry um, and to handle our business, to be able to stay in business. So what I would say is, what do you, I mean, the question I want to ask is, what is the common myth that people have about the fashion industry or being a designer?
0: Mm-hmm. A common myth
1: mm-hmm. or something you think people think is one way, or even maybe you have thought it was that way until you actually got into the business.
0: I guess I can say this um who my customer was. You know, when I first started my item, not for for me. I sell like lux. I sell luxury items compared to like somebody just selling T-shirts. Yeah. And you know when I, as soon as I started my business, I guess people learn fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you who people you may think support you and stuff, or you may yeah. think like your friends and family is gonna be the ones, and they're yeah. not necessarily the ones who, are gonna support right away. And also, I guess I had in mind something I heard somebody else say about this, like you know. Um, my age group, I thought it was going to be like a lot of college students, people mm-hmm. my age, flock into my clothes. And yeah. that wasn't necessarily the case for me selling like a luxury product. So, yeah, which I'm grateful for every customer that it is. Yeah. But that's
1: something for me you know. that you was surprised by. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think even though young people to me wear more designer than what young people wore when I was young, like my daughter has Goyard and Off White. And stuff that I wasn't, well, you know what, I, I lied because I was buying Gucci at her age too, to kind of think about it. But I digress. Uh, I feel like they can't appreciate um, necessarily luxury unless it's luxury that they hear about in music or that they see put in front of them. And when it comes to black luxury and black luxury designers, I don't think people always think of us first the way they think of Louis Vuitton or Gucci Prada, whatever, whatever. So Mm -hmm. that may be why it's more older people or older audience than just people that are young and in college that came in to support your brand. And then I also agree about, yeah, you first get started, you think it would be your family and friends that support. But in reality, my biggest people are people that are not my friends and people that are not related to me that support my business. Right.
0: And then also I just thought of another myth of like, you know, I guess with the price points, like how much you sell your stuff for, people automatically think like, "Oh, that person's rich," or yeah. you know, <laughs> like because I, you know, I worked in like internships with like Lee and Fong, and for example, they make stuff for like Walmart, Target, Saks, yeah. Louis and Taylor, and the majority of the money came from stuff like Target and Walmart. Mm-hmm. More so than you did from like Sats and Lord and Taylor because they don't order that many pieces, yeah. You know, yeah. so also understanding that I think the myth of you know, but it is you know, the big brands like Louis Vuitton and stuff they do make a lot of money, but that's they sell in purses and stuff like yeah. that,
1: yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes again, people who are not in the industry, and even before we got into the industry you don't realize that a lot of times just because something sounds good or looks good doesn't mean that's where your biggest money, mater, monkey, money maker is. Mm-hmm. Because like you just said, they were making majority of their sales from Target and Kmart or whoever versus the Saks and Lord and Taylor. But Saks and Lord and Taylor is what people would think of as more impressive. Um, When in reality, whatever is bringing in you, the money is the most impressive for you to be able to keep your business going and growing. Right. Because I mean, even when I worked in entertainment, on movies, and even when I work with celebrities, I make way more money working with people you don't know. Right. Even yeah, though, I I, you telling like, that. oh, she's working in TV and movies, that must be, that- no.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I remember you telling me that when we first met, actually. Yes.
1: Yes. So I think it's just a lot of times you don't realize until you get into it, like what really goes on behind the scenes and the politics of it all and the facade of what something looks like versus what the reality is. Right. What do you feel like is your biggest challenge in your business in the past or in the present right now and how are you handling it or have handled it? I
0: say, you know, at first, you know, what you see in a big shift now of, like, in the luxury market, mm-hmm. you know, I can't stand the whole thing, like, you know, they'll support Coco Chanel and probably yeah. Louis Vuitton, or people will be like, you know, I'll pay that much for that, but they wouldn't pay that much for something that I would create, yeah. you know, that right there, I guess. But now that I think that's somewhat slowly drifting away with everything yeah. that's going on in the media, but it has it definitely was something, you know, um it's definitely and then also, you know, people always want to get stuff for free. And even when you work sometimes with big entertainers,
1: like Which is why I don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, but like they'll tag a Louis Vuitton or something, but they won't tag a small business, you know what I'm saying, and that's something that's so annoying. Um,
1: now, how do you deal with it then? Are you you just
0: <laughs> well, it just depends on who it is, because not all entertainers are like that, you know. So yeah. it can work for it to be, you know, very influential in your business, and it can be great, it can be yeah. amazing. Yeah. But now that I've been in business though for a longer time, I understand a little bit more about like public relations and stuff. Yeah. I know now that if you do get the celebrity to wear your stuff, try to get an article or something written up about it, and then yeah. that will help get the exposure. You know, don't 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 rely heavy on the influencer to do it. Also, do like some backhand marketing and research, or also turn it into a Facebook ad and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay. Now, do you have PR, or that's just you know tricks of the trade you learning from being in business?
0: I've I've been coached on how to do PR mm-hmm. and I once had a publicist, it didn't work out mm-hmm. the way I would have wanted to to. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it at all. Um, <laughs>
1: I didn't like it at all.
0: <laughs> it was definitely um you know how you see these services, you see a lot of unprofessionalism, especially yeah. not some but you know, you even see about the hair. People who do hair, they have all these rules and they're yeah. not providing customer service.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Um. But yeah, but I, I, and then also I've I just been researching, you know, a little bit as more as I can. I be and I follow publicists as well to try to understand the trick of the trade of what they do too.
1: Okay. Okay. How um how important has mentorship or advocacy been to you in your career?
0: Oh, it is very, very um, important and has made such impact on my life and career. Like just even, I mean, I have several mentors that I have, but mm-hmm. um, I have one that guided me definitely, like in the art realm. Mm-hmm. You know, to present opportunities for me to have my work in like Beijing and Russia and. Um, scholarships and stuff like that, and then like in the business realm, I have my mentor, attorney Pat Wilson mcleod and she has like introduced me to the realm of just all kind of things of what the, the sororities, yeah. Um, yeah, organizations, also um the the A M E Church and different like corporations as yeah. well So have um and the people just to give you advice on how you should handle certain things and business moves that you should do and to help you build your business plan and like give you a strategy you know sometimes you are the things you may have not thought of or things yeah. that you may think of that you don't think you could you you would realistically be able to do it so
1: that's what's up I love that what do you think is one of the most important things you have learned um, in your career so far, I mean, obviously, it's not over, so you're going to continue to learn. But what is one of the most important things you've been able to gather since you've started till now?
0: Oh, I have a few of
1: them. <laughs> well, one two. of them,
0: um, I would say, I had heard Joe Locey made the quote. It was like a sermon he was giving about get fresh manna every day. Like being, and the way he, he explained that is saying, don't be content, don't be thinking the way... You made money three months ago or three years ago is going to be the same way you make money today. And every year in my business, the way I make money and the way this business goes, it mm-hmm. shifts very fast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just even with COVID, before that, yeah. I was doing a lot of pop up shops. Then I had the, uh, you know, when COVID happened, that stuff kind of stopped. I had yeah. to get into the digital realm. Of doing Facebook advertisement, yeah. Now Facebook advertisement isn't so great because of Apple updating. They they are beefing with Facebook, so ads aren't really. It's not as effective as it was, it was, yeah. The beginning of this year and last year, and then um, now I'm working on new ways of marketing and yeah. stuff. So, like that mm-hmm. lets me know, like you always gotta trust God and don't be dependent on anything of like where well, you think you're going to make money because you just always got to just be out there and thinking of new ways and getting, praying for direction and ways of, you know, growing and stuff. And also, the other the second thing is I recently watched that Halston movie. Did you see it yet on Netflix?
1: No, I have not. I need to um put that to my list of things to do i got a couple of things on netflix i haven't been having time to watch uh, between work and going to all these events now but i will uh make a note of it what was your takeaway
0: well so are you familiar with him like do you know did you know his brand like that or a not,
1: little bit? not not, nothing beyond the surface stuff about like the certain things he created and um you okay. know what kind of designer he is but not nothing too deep no
0: well, it, it goes a lot in his personal life, but what I got from the movie was like just being an artist and entrepreneur. Yeah. In his life, it seemed like he was just always fighting, always fighting, <laughs> like you know, fighting to get to getting Bird off Goodman, and once he get in Bird off Goodman to stay there, yeah, to yeah. you know, comp- you know, just making sure yourself you staying relevant. And also passing your legacy down. And it's like darn, this seems like you get burnt out from, <laughs> from being that way, you know? Yeah.
1: Sure. So oh, how do you feel like you'll keep from being like because of course you got to keep inventing yourself and keep um, even with COVID, like you said, readjusting, pivoting, and doing what makes sense for your business as it ebbs and flows and grows. How do you feel like you'll handle not getting burnt out up from it?
0: I don't know, you know. You just, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm trying to do it as hiring help, you know, outsourcing yeah. more things. But then at the same time, this, I don't know. It, is it? It's, it's I know you hire a lot of people. is it easy for you to hire help? Like for me,
1: you know, no, it's, it's not easy at all. Um, because it's hard for me to delegate because I'm so used to one being in control and making sure things are done exactly how I like it to be done. But yeah. at the same time, you can't really grow, but so far without any help. Like they always be like, if you want to go, um, what is it that quote about if you want to do something, you can go alone, but if you want to go there faster or longer or whatever you go with people, So I just feel like to be able to scale to the levels that you want to, it's going to be very hard to scale to millions, thinking that you can be the only person working for your company. Right. Now, you probably to get to a mill, maybe two, but after a while, you're going to need some help somewhere, whether that just be an assistant. You're going to need some help. So for me, it's not easy, but it's something that I'm forcing myself to uh you know get used to because i'm trying to put myself in the mind frame and mindset of where i'm trying to go not where i'm at
0: right that's so true
1: <laughs> so i do have a lot of people um like you know the fashion show we did in august that was a 40 people production with everybody involved that's a lot of moving parts that's a lot of different people you're trying to control to make sure not control like in a bad way but control to make sure like everything everybody does their part for it to go correctly and if somebody mm-hmm. doesn't do their part, then the whole thing could be thrown off. So it was like, you know, and it was a couple of hiccups. You know, one vendor had an emergency and she was really late getting to the event. But luckily she was able to get in and set up. We had three, four models canceled the, the day of the rehearsal, which was the day before the show. So we had less than 24 hours to replace them. Like things happen. You just have to figure it out and keep it moving. But it can be just... You know, like, I was like, oh, after this show, I'm going to have to rest because this is a lot.
0: (laughs) I completely understand.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot. But at the same time, there's no way I would have pulled off that show with no vendors, no models, no designers. Like, it wouldn't have been a show if it was just me. I was just the person pulling it all together. So, I just say that. And then, you know, I had my team helping and they was working their little behinds off uh because of course somebody fell out from the team like oh i'm not gonna be able to make it the day of so it was like we already needed more than four people but now we only got three we got to make it work so you got to do what you got to do but you gotta be able to delegate and let other people help um where you can so that you can focus as the owner and you know the captain of the ship as i like to say on where are we going? And if you're in the back of the ship trying to make sure, you know, everything's going right, who at the front leading and steering it? Um, So you got to just, it's a balance for sure. Now, mind you, I check every single thing that everybody on my team do. When I assign them clients, hey, you know, hey, this is the client, this is her information, this is what she wants, whoop, 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 Let me know how the job goes. Let me know when you contact her. Do you need any help doing the job? Are you finding everything Okay. So I'm not micromanaging it, but I'm definitely not just like, here you go. And, you know, hope it all goes well. I'm definitely checking in like, hey, how's it going? Did you talk to her? Were you able to get it? Did you, you know, making sure that stuff goes right? Because, you know, when stuff goes wrong and you're the owner of the company, it's not going to be their fault. It's going to be your fault.
0: It makes you look bad. Yeah,
1: true. So all you can do is hope that you are hiring good people and you're trusting people that take care of your business the way you take care of it. And of course, I don't think anybody can care about my stuff the way I care about it. But hopefully they care enough to do it right so I don't have to let them go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's so true.
1: Do you have a big team or a lot of people helping or not yet?
0: Not like that, no. I have really a small team. It's just me, my mom, and you know, sometimes I hire people to help out with pop-up shops. And- yeah. And I do allocate things, like certain things. Like I try out a publicist. I try it out. I mean, I hire a photographer. I hire sometimes a graphic person to help to do like look books and stuff. Sometimes I do allocate certain things, you know, more and more. Um, You know, and definitely I've tried out a few marketing services as well. But overall, I'm still overseeing everything and I'm still, you know, yeah, it's like you're doing
1: everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I'm definitely overseeing everything, but I'm not physically doing every single thing anymore. Thank God. Um, But, like, I have an assistant that handles, like, my social media and my style tips and my newsletters and any of the administrative stuff. And so she just runs it all by me, and I'll glance over it and make sure it's done right, and then she can send everything out and, you know, post everything and all of the things. But me reviewing it is way shorter than me trying to do it all. So it takes me all of a couple of minutes to be like, yeah, that looks good. Or, hey, you need to revise that and then move on to the next thing. Versus if I was the one who actually had to do it all, it would take me a couple of hours, if not longer. So for me, it's important that I have people doing stuff that they can do so that I can focus on the things only I can do, which is put these events together, sell my services, sell tickets to these events. Like only I can do that because I don't have anybody else to do sales. Right. So I'm just trying to transition for where I'm at in my business of not being just, oh, I got to do everything myself, but position myself on what is the things that only I can do as the CEO of my company and the stuff that anybody could do. Let me let somebody else do it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But it took a minute. Trust. I like just got there like last year, um uh, 2020, when I was like, okay, let me go ahead. Well, twenty nineteen I started baby stepping my way to it. By twenty twenty, I let other people do their jobs and empowered them to do their jobs so that I can do my job. <laughs>
0: But however, since I met you though, I have always seen you have like an assistant or somebody that came out and help you. Like since I Yeah, I've but
1: those clothing assistant, like stylist assistant. So all they do is that's like help that. shop. I don't want to say all oh, like they don't do that, but I mean they'll come and help me shop and carry bags, which is great. Trust, it definitely like, frees me up a little bit. But if they don't come help me, then I gotta shop by myself, carry bags by myself. But when it comes to like handling the business, that's where I just start letting people in.
0: Oh, okay. I got you.
1: you. Which really is the most important part. Because not to be funny, carrying bags and helping me shop is not helping me handle my business. (laughs) This is helping me with that one client at that one time for that one period. But helping me, like I'm a bookkeeper. So like she's helping manage money and handling the financial projections and making cash flows and where we need to cut back, where we can increase. And uh, that's a totally different type of help than just let me help you shop. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Let me tell you. And then also, what I'm trying to do now is, I guess, create job descriptions. So when I am getting the help, I need to go. You know, it's, it's it's also a task of telling them everything they need to be able to do yeah. and to teach them to be able to do that. But now I'm trying to, because I have listened to a lot of like HR consultants where they really say, you yeah. know, you have to create a plan for them to do this next. Exactly. Like I mean,
1: for
0: me, that. I, okay. Okay because I, I really need somebody. I had to
1: an HR me. coach actually from one of my co mm-hmm. okay. and so she gave me a lot of good feedback and then I started looking at job like other companies that I really admire and business owners and they were already hiring people so I look at their job descriptions too I was like oh I like what they said and so I take some of the stuff that they said like oh that's how I want and then apply it to what I needed for my business and tweak it to what I needed like I need them to create style tips and newsletters and copywriting and da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, they said the same thing, but they were talking about a different type of position. So I just took what made sense for me. I talked with her um and read up on it, read books, listened to podcasts, and kind of put it all together. Cause yeah, that's the worst thing is to bring somebody on and then you trying to figure out what you want them to do and now they hear riding your clock. So everybody on my team, they're getting paid for what exactly I need them to do. And the second they're not doing that, you're off the clock. Right. Because yeah, I can't waste no money now. So I do got help. <laughs> and everybody is helping as they're, like, they're getting paid for what they're doing. And when they're not doing anything, they're not getting paid. Right. We can talk more about that offline for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think it is very important for you as a CEO to figure out all the things you do. Um, And one of my other coaches, because I've had a gazillion coaches, I feel like, and multiple coaches. The thing about coaching, though, is there's coaches for different things. Um, When I first got in business, I just wanted like a one coach for every single thing. And that's not the case. Some people, it can be a coach that's just focused on your mindset. Then there's a coach that focuses on less sales and growth. And then there's another coach that's about operations and how you handle your systems and processes. Then there's a coach about just the money part of it. Like there's so many different where you can have mentors or coaches or programs that can help you with all the different areas of your business. It's not necessarily one person can do all of them.
0: Right, that's so true. That's
1: so true. So for me, it was about getting those people to help with all those different segments of my business. Um, and then also figuring out like one of my coaches was like, you as a CEO need to break out all the things you do on a week basis and categorize it. Like, okay, there's tech, there's data, there's sales, there's marketing and figure out where you're allotting your time and then also figure out what are you doing in each one of those categories and then what can only you do and then outsource the rest. So once I broke it all down and put it in all the different segments and then figured out like, okay, only I can do sales, only I can deal with clients as of right now, then administrative stuff, do I really need to create the style tip? Do I really need to edit the video? No, I don't. I got
0: <laughs> yes, that's so true.
1: So once I broke it all the way down and wrote it all out, because if you write it all down and look at it on paper, then you can like, I was literally just checking off like, okay, only I can do this. Somebody else could do this. I can do this. And like I said, just because people are doing stuff, it doesn't mean I'm. they're just doing it and I'm not seeing it. I see every single thing that go out so that I can catch whatever is wrong or whatever mistake as much as possible catch it. But catching it and reviewing it is way less time than doing it. Right. And now once you got people that are used to you and how you like think and how you like stuff to be, like my assistant today sent me out the style tip that's going out later today. And it was like, hey, I finished it I need you to review it. It was perfect because she's been working with me now shoot, I don't know how long. All year, I think. Since last Just year. Knows she know what I like. She know how I even like how stuff to sound at this point. So she's uh, correcting herself thinking like I'm in her head. Like, okay, as I write this, why are you say it like this? Would she want me to say it like that? And so she corrects herself. So now a lot of her stuff that she sent me, I'm like, oh, it's perfect. You don't even need to do nothing else. Mm-hmm. That's
0: um,
1: awesome. Yeah. So I think that's one really important about bringing on help. And then the other thing is we spent a lot of time last year because it was the pandemic and obviously our business got hit. Cause I don't sell products. I sell y'all products. Um, And when nobody was going anywhere, it was like, okay, let me redirect my client spending by having shopping parties and doing events and things of that nature, virtually and in person. But because we had downtime, cause we wasn't out physically shopping for people at first when it was just virtual, That's when we put a lot of systems in place. So now even, it's not even so much about, oh, I got to spend all this time training people. And sometimes you think like, dang, the time I spent training people, I could have just did it myself, which Mm -hmm. you can, but you got to think about, well, once you spend the The time training them. Yeah, exactly. Then, you know, they train. So you ain't got to do it no more. And if anything, if you train them right, they can train the next person that comes and so on and so forth. But what I did was when I brought on, because I'm on my third assistant, right now number two didn't work out and then number one this wasn't really what she wanted to do it like be an assistant so she was more so like hey we knew each other from a different business and she needed a job I needed some help so we was working together until she was able to do what it is she wanted to do but because I had her we spent a lot of that time creating systems and processes so we have a whole like 40 50 page workbook that shows everything we do how we do it with actual visuals and screenshots of like, click the left side button and open up this and it can take you to do this, this, this. So now anybody who comes technically can read that book to be able to do exactly what we need them to do.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful.
1: And templates. So it's more like a plug and play. Like, I just want people to be able to not focus so much on like, hey, I need you to create a flyer and they make flyers I don't like. It's more like, hey, this is how we make flyers. Follow this, you know, template And everything you create is going to work because these are templates we've already pre-approved. So it's a lot of putting that kind of stuff in place. And that is a lot. So for me, it was like, let me work with the person, the very first person I hired. I brought them on and we worked through that together until we got it right. So it was her learning me, me learning where her strengths were. And she was really great at making flyers. So it was like, oh, my God, you do make great flyers. Let's make a whole bunch of templates of all the different things. So we have pre template thank you cards for vendors, thank you cards for customers, thank you cards for if you buy service or if you support, like all kind of things. Um, We've already put everything together. And because we've already did a lot of the work, it's like whoever is coming behind us, all you got to do is look at what we've been doing and kind of recreate that and tweak that and keep it moving. So you're not necessarily relying on somebody to do stuff and you don't know if you're going to like it or not, but more so they're going to do stuff how you want it done because you already have things in place for them to be able to follow along. Mm -hmm. So I think that part is really important and I'm happy that I was able to kind of work through the kinks of that with the first assistant. So any assistant I have going forward on the business side is able to kind of duplicate what we've already created. Now, of course, um, if somebody's creative and they got a good idea, I'm like, well, bring it and show it to me. Um, You have a new way you want to do something or a new template or whatever. If you create it and I like it, we can add that into the repertoire. But I'm just saying, overall, it's not like you have to come in and figure it out. And now, like you said, you're spending so much time going back and forth with somebody. You're like, I could have just did it myself. That happened in just the beginning trying to get it together. But now that we have it together, it's kind of running like a A weld-on machine. (laughs) Right. Because I spent the whole day at that fashion show yesterday. And so she was at the office doing all the work, making sure the style tips and the content was getting posted while I was at the fashion show. Fashion
0: show, I seen you was posting about it.
1: Yeah, it was really good. Um, Black Fashion Movement, there's our first time in Atlanta. Um, I know a designer that flew in from New York. So that's how I found out about it. But then when I got there, I saw other Atlanta designers that I knew and have worked with. So it was uh it was good. Uh, they did a, a good job. Um, I definitely got a lot of um insight as well as some things like oh maybe I can incorporate that in one of my events and so on and so forth. So it was um very it was very good. And that was yesterday it was just a private VIP press and media type of day, and that was a good day. Like I think they had like two hundred people come out, and okay. now it's open to the public for the rest of the week. So I'll be back out there later this week. Okay. But yeah, uh, 22 different designers, all black luxury from all over the nation. So only three were from Atlanta. Three or four was from Atlanta. And then I met people from Texas and Chicago. And then, like I said, my friend from New York. And I didn't even get to get with all the other designers because I was mainly with my friend um, from New York. So I was like, I'm going to go Saturday with clients and friends and actually go and try to get to see some of the other designers. Right. Okay. But yeah, um, I thought about you while I was there. I was like, oh, this might have been a good event for Cedric to be at.
0: Um, but you know, I know. didn't even know. Um, the thing is, they follow me on um social media. I don't know how they start following me, and I follow them back. But I don't really know what the criteria was of how they were choosing people, and yeah. All that kind of stuff,
1: so I don't know either because. My friend from New York said that her friend in Dallas had did it because they had the first one in Dallas in the summer. So that's how she found out about it. I don't know how everybody else got involved. The lady who created it, from what I understand, I used to work at Neiman Marcus and then now she started doing this Um, and she's all about black luxury. And then um what was it? Somebody else. I have to ask the Atlanta designers how they got involved. But I know one of my other friends, she said they asked her to be involved, but she got too much going on. So she didn't do it. Plus, it had never been in Atlanta, so she wasn't even, like, really sure.
0: That's how it was for me when I seen it as well. You see so many people starting stuff and, you know,
1: you dead uh,
0: alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But But it's been a rebirth, though. I feel like since COVID, it's so much, you know, even a lot of my friends that are other small businesses, owners, you know, the shows and stuff that we normally do, a lot of this stuff haven't even started back or opened it hasn't. back up. So it hasn't. it's like it's been a rebirth. You have to figure out new places and go to even sell it, you know. So yeah. it is kind of like for you know, somebody who's been in the business for a while, you ain't so easy just gonna be signed up for something because people can be full of crap. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you know, so but now that she's done seen it, and I think a lot of people who came out have seen it. If she wants to bring it back to Atlanta, I'm sure. She'll have a wait list (laughs) of people. But the thing is, it wasn't even about Atlanta designers. It's more about they were going to different cities on tour, basically. So it was like, okay, well, I have a few people from Atlanta, obviously here because I'm in Atlanta. But like I said, it was 22 designers there. And majority of them were not Atlanta designers. I only saw two, no, three Atlanta designers. It might have been one more that I didn't know about. But majority of them were from all over the nation. And because she just did one in Texas, in Dallas, uh, some of the people from Texas were there. And then, like I said, Chicago and Miami was in the building, too. So and New York.
0: Oh, yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. So uh, it was a great event. I'll be back out there later this week. Um, And then, like you said, because the climate is changing and because events were canceled for so long, all the events that I have done and you've been a part of most of them you see that we've had a really good crowd because I think it's one, it hadn't been many things for people to do too. So I was one of the first people to like, let's start events again. Cause I still my first event after COVID. Uh, I had my first event last year. Like, what was it? Uh, November or July? No, I started doing small in-person events in like June or July. And then I had a big one in November, which is what I'm doing again this November. And then we had the biggest one in August.
0: Okay, okay, okay. But okay, I did the event with you in April, March, I want to say too.
1: Yeah, yeah. that. But the biggest one was the one we just did in August. Now, the April and May we did earlier this year, that was kind of like, let's test and see if people going to come out. That was um, April. Mm-hmm. And then we just saw the people came out. I was like, well, let me try it again for the fall. And then we had even a bigger crowd come out. And I think it's because this year people are now starting to come back outside. But I started doing events last year, they were just small, just to keep some mm-hmm. stuff going. Oh, and I ain't all- tried to do nothing big until April and then now August and now November and December.
0: <laughs> I will say this that you're one of those um, you know, um stylists and I wanna say event curators that like, I guess I trust, because I was like, okay, if she's doing it, then I'll, I'll sign up. But I ain't just going to be signing up for no any shows. Cause... I know, I know. <laughs> I appreciate
1: that. But, yeah, I think it's only because y'all have been involved and y'all have gotten good results from it. Because, obviously, I mean, friends or not, or we cool or not, if it don't make good business sense for you, you're not going to do it. Um, And I respect it, because, I mean, it's the same for me. I'm not going to do anything, whether you're my friend or not, if it doesn't make good business sense for my business. But that's why I try to make sure that it's going to be good for my vendors so that when I do have events, I don't ever have a problem having vendors. If anything, I have more vendors reaching out to me than I have room. So I'm I'm blessed in that capacity. But that's why I also try to make sure it's good for y'all and work really hard on making sure good people are coming to the events that are going to buy from y'all. Right. So I appreciate y'all's support and... um us all working together to you know, help grow our businesses and continue to make money because that's how we stay in business. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you again for your time. I think we went way over than what I normally do, but I enjoyed this conversation with you. I will definitely tag you when it goes live. It'll probably be like two, maybe three weeks from now because I have a bunch of podcasts I've been recording in queue. So okay. I'm just sending them out in order as I record them. So I think it's going to be a couple of weeks, but I will tag you. When my team posts that your podcast is live, or they rather they will tag you because <laughs> they handle okay. that too. <laughs> okay. Thank you again. Um, I really enjoyed chatting with you and learning more about your business. And then I'm just really happy and proud of you. Um, how's the house? The new house?
0: Oh, uh, great. Um, That's I I still haven't finished decorating though. But I mean, it is I do have basic stuff, but you know, like. People see me as a designer, they expect it to be grand, you know. <laughs> but I've been, you know, so making art and designs and stuff for my business that yeah, I haven't really even allocated as time I mean, to do stuff for my house. So <laughs>
1: yeah. I just think it's amazing you was able to buy a house off of your career. That's what I mean about... Business Businesses and fashion and fashion businesses is that like these are real businesses that's making real money to be able to support ourselves. And whether you're making a you. million dollars or six figures or whatever, if you're making enough money to not have to work for somebody else and take care of yourself, you're already a success.
0: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it, um, it was definitely, the lovely. banks take you through hell, though, being an entrepreneur they do now. A house. <laughs> yes, they do
1: now. Ever since the uh, market crashed in 08, it's been a harder way to buy a house. Before that, they gave everybody a house uh, as long as you was making some money.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like doing next time, I want to pay cash for a house. I don't want to go through I, no bank.
1: <laughs> I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. Shoot. Make it do what it do. But um, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll chat again soon, and um, of course, I'm gonna see. Well, I won't see you in November, but I'll see your mom in November.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, chat soon. Bye. Are right, you have a good
0: one.